Hello, coconuts. Welcome to another episode of TFC Stock Geek Out. This stock was asked by our community, so you suggested, and we do it. None other than Singapore Airlines. Travel is back. Everyone's traveling, flights are booked out. But other than those information that you're getting from the news or even surface numbers, what else is there to know about SQ? And should we invest in it? Helping us through this process today is Willie. He is a CFA, used to work as an investment advisor, and now runs DividendTitan.com. The aim is to build a strong, sustainable portfolio to obtain a passive income stream to sustain us through retirement. So there's less stressing about portfolio and more enjoying life. For reference, this episode was recorded on 6th of September 2022. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Now, let's geek out. Hey, coconuts. Welcome back to another Stock Geek Out with me, Rakesh. Today, we have Willie King in the house. He writes a financial blog called Dividend Titan. I'm sure you've heard of it because, well, Willie's part of the family, let's be honest, right? <laughs> he was the one that did the REITs a um, few, few episodes back. So if you haven't listened to it, first shameless plug, go listen to it. He's an expert at this. Amazing. So his financial blog Actually, he writes everything and anything related to money, whether it be savings, investments, you name it. He also invests his family's wealth. And on, on the side note, he's also a father of two, right? So I don't know how you manage all of this, really. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Rakesh. You know, the funny thing is that before I left, I, I, I always have my two sons always just running up to me and say, bring me out, bring me out, kai kai, kai kai, because... <laughs> Um, that means that they actually want to go out because every time when I go out to work, um, they will just rush to the door yeah. and all they want is for me to bring them out of the house and, you know, take them wherever I'm going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice, nice, nice. Well, now's a good time. How old are they? Um, so the elder son is four years old, turning okay. four. The younger one is turning two. So I have yeah, two yeah. sons and, you know... It's good age. Yeah, um, yeah. Good age where they are still willing to hold your hands, yeah. wanting to carry, and all that. So I'm counting my blessings, yeah. enjoying the moment. Nice, <laughs> cool, cool. And and you know, coming back today, we are talking about Singapore Airlines and travel, right? So we we are recording this. Firstly, Willie has been talking about Singapore Airlines for a bit, for a few months now. Uh, actually, I think yeah, a lot of months now. Uh, but of course, it was community led. So we thank you so much for asking us to do something on SQ. Um, and yeah, here we are recording it with, with one of the experts, right? So Willie, um, let's dive right into it. Tell us, tell us a bit more about SQ. What it sure. is and so on. Sure. I'm pretty sure SQ, um, a lot of people would have known about it or at least come across it because it's a travel stock. Mm. And if you have gone for holidays, you'll definitely come across <laughs> Singapore Airlines. Maybe. Um, la, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that this is more of a boomer stock, um, mm. largely because this is a stock where I know a lot of my readers who are much older and planning for retirement, they are usually the ones who are looking at this stock or this company, right? right? And this company has been around, you know, for 30 over years. Um, it's the strongest player or the strongest airline company within the region, mm. as I would say. Um, it's, of course, an icon as well because of the 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 okay. stewardess. Oh, the S to it as well. I was going to say the brand. But yeah, the yeah. brand. So the brand is really <laughs> driven by the Singapore girls' kabaya, right? Mm. So that's really well-known overseas. If you actually travel overseas, and in the US, people know about the Singapore girl. Right. Yeah. So that's really a strong branding. 
Now, what's interesting about Singapore Airlines is it's very different from many other airlines within the region. Mm. And why I say this is because their revenues have always been really steady. So that's okay. different from most airlines. Um, they average before COVID, they average about $15 billion in annual revenue. Okay. And they have been largely profitable over the past you know, 15 years, 15, 20 years. Um, of course, we don't count COVID over the last two years. Pre-COVID, they have been a really strong airline. Uh, and what I really like about them is, they, of course, they have the support from the state. Tamasic owns about a good chunk of um, um, share, shareholding on, on Singapore Airlines. So that really shows some form of uh, strong state support. Okay. Sorry, how many percent again? Um, Do you know? Do you roughly know? Majority stake? Roughly it? about 30, 40%. Oh, 30, 40%. Yeah. Okay, Wow. Cool. So that's that's the market. But you mentioned, I think one, one thing to note here is that you mentioned that it was steady revenue throughout and mm-hmm. has been for a while. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the industry? You mentioned it's not normal. Mm. So maybe before the industry, maybe let me just quickly talk about the strategy of Singapore Airlines. Sure. So Singapore Airlines, it's basically, so over the years, they have basically split into two different categories. Mm. One is the low-cost carrier. And then, of course, they also have the full-service carrier. So the low-cost carrier is good. Right. Right. And the full cost carrier is, of course, your Singapore Airline brand. And what's in between is your Cathay Pacific. So they have these okay. three big brands. And how they do is they actually compete um, individually using their individual brands to compete with the indi- individual routes. Okay. So that's their strategy. And the reason why I want to talk about this strategy um, first is because of how competitive the industry is, like coming to your question about the industry and the industry is highly you know intense it's competitive okay so maybe before we talk about the industry i'll just talk about the strategy of singapore airlines so singapore airlines have three different brands Uh, one of course is their singapore airlines brand Um, they also have scoot and silk air so each of these three brands compete individually um, in different market segments so of course you have scoot as the low-cost carrier Mm. uh, which competes in more of the budget routes Okay. And then you have um, the full service carrier, which is your Singapore Airlines, which competes for the more premium routes mm. within the region and, of course, overseas. And then somewhere in between is you have some some form of hybrid, which is Silk Air. Okay. So they have these three different um, segments which they compete, and that's really the strategy of Singapore Airlines. Okay. Did they mention? I don't know if, if I, I read this correctly, but they mentioned they were going to sort of merge Silk Air and Scoot or something to that effect. Is that? Is that part of what their strategy is as well? Yes. Yeah, so right now, they haven't really explicitly talked about merging. Okay. And I think they are still trying to maintain the three different brands, at least for now. Because the thing about um, the airline industry is it sits on a really shaky foundation, mm. meaning that the industry changes rapidly. It's highly competitive. You have a lot of these low-cost carriers coming in to compete against some of the premium routes. Okay. Yeah. So this is um, the nature of the industry. And coming back to your question about the industry, yes, yeah. Singapore Airlines actually fight in a highly intense, or I would say a highly competitive industry. So mm. just before today, yes. I actually stole something from my son. Right. Uh, and it's this thing. No wonder he was running after you yeah. as he walked out the door. So, <laughs> so this is a yellow car. Um, mm. which he has, and 
it, 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 it actually belongs to me 30 years ago. So I used to play oh, this wow. car. And the brand is called Tomika. It's yes. a Japanese brand. Okay. And what, what really surprised me was that till today, um, even though the paint, the paint job has sort of been removed, but a large part of the car has been, been intact mm. for over the last 30 years because I played this car as a kid mm-hmm. and I passed it to my son. Right. And he's still playing it. Right. So what Singapore Airlines doesn't have that this Tommy car, toy car has is that what it lacks is what we call a durable competitive advantage. So okay. in the industry, like what I mentioned is um, this, this, this whole airline industry is highly competitive. You see, for mm. this Tomica toy car, sure, it has many other toy cars which compete. So you have like Matchbox, Hot Wheels, yes. Mattel toy cars. But what stands out is that this toy car is more durable in terms of the material versus the other toy cars. So okay. that's what um, many of the airlines in the world lack today. They do not have this kind of durable competitive advantage. So if you see automobiles, airline industry since the 1900s, right? They have been a huge game changer for the world because it Mm. connects everyone together. It makes transport easier. So you don't have to rely on horse carriages anymore, (laughs) right? Bicycles are bicycles. (laughs) Bicycles. (laughs) It's going to take you a long time to travel from one state to another in the US. (laughs) So they are really a great industry. Mm. But the problem is that there's a lot of people um, coming in to fight within the industry. Okay. So, have you watched this movie called Catch Me If You Can? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's claim to fame. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio played um, the role of Frank Abagnale, mm. who was a Czech um, fraud. What he, he does is that he fake checks all over the world, um, all, all of the world. So he started off in the US. Right. So there was one particular scene that Frank Abagnale, played by by DiCaprio, yep. so he walked in into the pilot's lounge in the airport. So he was disguised as a Pan Am pilot. So Pan mm-hmm. Am was back then the largest... Um, American airline? American airline, exactly. Okay. And he disguised himself as a Pan Am pilot. He walks inside the pilot lounge and he saw that there were many different pilots from different... Airline companies. Okay. And what was interesting was this this was the only scene back then where you can see the pilots sitting down together, having lunch, and talking about their flights, their routes, and their daily life. Mm. That all happened before deregulation of the US airline industry. Because in 1978, yeah. what happened was the US deregulated airlines, meaning that Anyone could come in into the airline industry. Any airlines could actually set price, the ticket price for themselves, and they can choose any routes. So before deregulation, all the pilots will come together and they will chat, okay. right? So that makes the perfect time for um, Leonardo DiCaprio to find, to fish information about the, the, the industry. But after deregulation, none of that sort of happen anymore. So you don't see pilots talking to each other about their strategy and all that. Everyone becomes more competitive, Right. So as a result, this deregulation forced a lot of airline companies to compete really intensely. So you have the air ticket prices, you know, coming down. You have uh, people, um, airlines are competing for different routes as well. Flight paths. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really the state of the industry. Mm. And as the years go by, what, what happened was that you have 
budget airlines, low-cost carriers coming in because they say, hey, why not we strip out all the premium services that these airlines have mm. and we only give the bare minimum. So people will pay for the lowest ticket price as possible mm. to get from one destination to the next. Yeah. And people love it. Because yeah. you can add on if you want. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it makes more sense. The economies of scale for low-budget mm. carriers or low-cost carriers expanded because the technology to manufacture bigger and bigger planes made it possible for these low-cost carriers or the LCCs to come in because bigger carriers means that they can carry more passengers and that drives down the cost for this LCC and that allows them to better compete with um, premium airlines. Premium airlines, for example, like Singapore Airlines. Mm. So that's really the, 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 the whole industry and how it's like. Highly, hi, highly competitive, yeah. really intense. Got it. And so, how did how did uh, Singapore Airlines manage to keep that revenue flat throughout all these years with with such an intense market? <laughs> That's a very good question, Rajesh. Yeah. <laughs> so, what I found out because as a as an analyst, so I was an analyst about um, a couple of years back, and I've been looking at Singapore Airlines. And what was interesting was what I I have mentioned earlier is really their strong branding, which they have developed. Mm. So, if you see. Singapore Airlines, one thing which they have gotten it right was they focused a lot on service. And that allowed them to attract um, corporate travelers, for example, um, people, travelers who wanted more comfort, um, especially for for longer haul flights. So these are the the same customers who do not mind paying more um, to travel from one destination to another. And on top of that, you have Tamasic supporting Singapore Airlines. So that's the really appealing thing about Singapore Airlines that you have this state support um, that allowed Singapore Airlines to, 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 to borrow capital at a very cheap cost. So if you see, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, their cost of borrowing versus other airlines are way lower and much, much cheaper. Right. Okay. So, with the help of the Masik, they were able to to really regulate their their bottom line. Mm. Okay. Cool. And um, you know, I and of course we're talking right now at this time where you know there's a lot of revenge travel and so on. But maybe if you take it back a little bit to to COVID, right? Tell us how they managed to how do you, how do you think they went during COVID? So. I think Singapore Airlines have done really well in terms of um, going through the whole COVID stage because you can see that mm. overnight, their revenues got obliterated. Mm. Um, in 2019, they produced about $16 billion of revenue. So that was the highest amount of uh, um, top line they okay. had achieved. And that evaporated overnight when COVID came. Yeah. Now, for most airlines, this spells trouble. Mm-hmm. Because um, no revenue and with a huge amount of operating expenses to pay, uh, for example, fuel, they have to pay their staff yeah. and to maintain um, their aircrafts, so your Boeings and your Airbuses, yeah. um, a lot of them across the world actually went bust. They defaulted. So okay. some, with the help of the government, managed to step in to recapitalize or what, or what I call to pump in money to rescue these airlines. So during COVID, a lot of these airlines, they went bust. But Singapore Airlines, very fortunate um, that they still managed to get funding or what I call liquidity, uh, which means that they, are, they were able to borrow from the bank at a, a low interest cost. At the same time, you have Tomasic also coming in to inject capital okay. to pull the, com- 
pull the company through. So they borrowed debt. Um, they borrowed, for example, the mandatory convertible bonds, the MCBs. Mm. Um, that really helped them to provide funding, to provide financing, to go through these two years. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, I think that that's not being said right. Firstly, it's it's hard to do. Right, to, to be able to, to pull that through. Of course, with the help of Singapore, really, because the bank is what DBS. <laughs> I don't know which bank they got it from, but Compom Singapore Bank. <laughs> then you got the Masik, right? But the one thing I want to bring up here is that maintenance that, that you brought up. Mm. Maintenance of, of, a, of an airplane, right? You can't just have it sitting in a hangar somewhere, lip out one corner, like your car for 30 years, right? <laughs> and then you can still... <laughs> actually, actually, cars also, you can't do that, but... I understand it's really, really expensive to keep that going. So every minute a plane, a Boeing or an Airbus, is not in the air. It costs a lot mm. to keep it grounded. Exactly. You, yeah, maybe we can explain a bit more there. Yep. So for a typical airline company, um, what they do is that they, when they borrow money and they put in a down payment to buy an aircraft, mm. right? Um, they typically don't um, pay the full amount to the Aircraft manufacturers. So Airbus, like, for example, right? Like Boeing or Airbus. Oh, yeah. So what they do is they do a sales and leaseback agreement okay. whereby they pay um, for the full amount of this um, um, aircraft. So let's say an aircraft costs about $100 million. Mm. Um, SIA don't put in the full $100 million. What they do is they pay um, on a piecemeal basis, meaning that they pay in terms of an installment. So for okay. the next 10, 15, 20 years. So buy now, pay later. Okay. Something like this, yes. So... <laughs> Yes, I actually is doing a buy now pay. <laughs> but instead of just like three months, they do yeah. it for a long stretch. Okay. Like 10, 15 years. Okay. Um, the thing is, during COVID, they couldn't stop paying, right? Mm. Because even the manufacturers, were, they also needed money. So they have to actually continue to fork out this money. And this is on top of the maintenance, the aircraft maintenance which they have. Mm. Um, you know, for, for Singapore Airlines, when you have these aircrafts which is coming in, you need to constantly make sure that the engines, um, the wings, everything is all in order before they take flight. And this can also be very costly. So this sits on top of the installment which SIA pays. So okay. this is one huge problem for airline companies because they constantly have to fork out these huge operating expenses um, to foot the bills. And if their revenues stop coming in, Mm. then they're going to be in a huge trouble. Got it. Got it. Wow. Got it. Okay. So in that case, maybe tell us a bit of, of the revenue right now. Then revenge travel and all that is happening right now. Um, personally, buying... Like, and you see this in Straits Times right now, right? So expensive to get a Singapore Airlines flight ticket. I think it was something like, what, 3K or 3.5K to travel from Singapore to London on economy, by the way. <laughs> Not even business, right? And, and all of that stuff, right? So how, how are they doing post-COVID? Have they rebounded really well? Because um, some airlines have struggled, right? Like we've seen, uh, was it in, in London, the EasyJet or something? They were literally like saying, you know, we cannot fly. No, we cannot fly. There's some issues here and there. Mm. Yeah. What, what, what happened with this? All right. So this year with the VTLs being open, so they are able to actually travel to um, Singapore Airlines is able to, to, to have routes to, to, to many different cities and countries. So right now, I think they have about 49 cities. Mm. They are, they, are, they are able to travel to 49 cities across 25 countries, okay. including regional, you know, regionally, regional, yeah. Europe and in the US. Okay. So that's actually good for them because if you see for the last two quarters 
or the first half of this year, um, they they actually rebounded in terms of the revenues and the profits. Um, they went into operating profits. So last year they were doing operating losses. Mm. This year operating profits, um, which is a good sign because they have not fully recovered to the full passenger capacity, okay. but they were already making that uh, good rebound in terms of the profits. So the last quarter, I think their revenues were close to about $4 billion. Wow. So if you analyze it, meaning that if you stretch it out, you know, if they're able to consistently produce about close to $4 billion um, of revenue, that means in one year, they, they, they're definitely going to get back to where they were pre-COVID, which is about $16 billion of revenue. Okay. So it is a good sign for Singapore Airlines this year when we are seeing the opening up of travel, mm. we are seeing airlines kick-starting their engines again. Yeah. Um, it's good for Singapore Airlines. And you can see that there are that the company is beginning to hire hiring back the pilots and the stewardess. Okay. So it is a it is a good sign there um, in terms of the business itself. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I mean, during COVID, did they did they uh, lay off a few people, uh, or did they keep 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 kept them on the payroll and stuff like that? Or so what happened, what happened was um, Singapore Airlines did a pay freeze. And they also put oh. um, the pilots on leave. Yeah. Man- so mandatory. mandatory <laughs> no pay leave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. But the main cost, again, you know, it's still financing the, the, plane. the planes. And of course, you have the fuel cost. Um, so that sort of eats up into their revenue. And lastly, of course, is their interest. Because over the last two years, they have been mm. borrowing a lot. Um, that means that their interest actually gone up, has, has gone up. Got it. Yeah. And you meant fuel cost, but they're not, they're not really flying, right? How how is that a big pain? So they still have to pay for some of the flights. So they actually converted converted uh, many of their passenger aircrafts mm. into logistics um, uh, flights. So they were actually moving inventories back and forth, and okay. you know th- they were still operating. Yeah, but not not getting the revenues they are getting. But still, they still have to fork out the fuel. You know, to I to see. to to fly the plane from one point to another. Okay. Okay, got you. And the other one I have is right now that you mentioned $4 billion in your quarterly. Do you think that's a bit of a boom that, have, that we are facing or as the industry could be facing because we couldn't travel for two years and people save money now, they can spend on business class, $3,000 tickets to London, <laughs> I mean, right? So stuff like that, that, that will die down as well. I know later in the year and, and maybe next year. What are your thoughts on, on this sort of revenue scalability? Yeah. I think that's a very good question, Rakesh. And we can we can extrapolate this from what we have observed over the last two years during COVID, mm. where we are seeing a lot of um, e-commerce companies, tech growth, uh, tech growth stocks, mm. right, driven by e-commerce business models, and they've done really well over the last two years. Mm. Um, people are paying for streaming services, for example. People are buying a lot of things online, yeah. and that drove the revenues of these tech companies for the last two years, and then. After that, we are seeing sort of a normalization of these companies, right? Mm. Because people are slowly getting back to work. Um, People are going out to shop. Mm. So not so much going online anymore. Um, People might be using less of Zoom uh, or streaming services, for example. Netflix, yeah. Um, So if if you look at the airlines, yes, there's some truth in it, like what you said, that this revenge spending Mm. could actually uh, push... Singapore Airlines profits in the short term. 
That's why we are seeing a really strong uh, quarter over the last, sorry, uh, a very strong two quarters, mm. right, over the last six months. Um, that, that could sort of normalize in a sense where, like what I've mentioned, that uh, competitions should start to come in because do note that not all airlines, like what you said, are, are, are kick-starting their engine. So bit by bit, as we see more airlines coming back, then we'll start to see the heat of the competition mm. coming in. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I think I want to talk a little bit about this mandatory convertible bonds, right? mm-hmm. MCB as you called it. Uh, can you tell us more what, what, what this is? Because it's not a normal line item you see in, in any um, balance sheet. Sure. Yeah. So this mandatory convertible bonds, or what I call MCB, it's a very interesting instrument. So this, this happened when Singapore Airlines wanted to issue, um, wanted to raise capital, but they did not want to pay the hefty interest cost every year. So what they do is they issue what I call a zero-coupon bond. So a bond is a debt instrument, like an IOU, where investors can invest in it and they collect annual interest payment over time. So it's very much like our Singapore government bonds. Mm. Now, for Singapore Airlines to issue this MCB, what this means is that Singapore Airlines do not have to pay any interest mm. at all. So it's called a zero coupon bond. What they do is they accumulate all this interest which they're supposed to be paid all the way till it matures. Yes. Correct. Of course, for this MCB, it does not have any maturity date. Okay. So that's where the, <laughs> so that's where the interesting thing is. Now, if, if Singapore Airlines want to, to, to redeem this bond... Um, they will have to pay back all the interest which they owe to the investors okay. plus the principal. Okay. Now, if they, if they say yeah. that they do not want to pay, you know, let's say at the end of, by 2032, mm. they, they, they choose not to pay it back, they can convert the same amount into shares. Okay. So okay. What, what this means is that right now they are sort of getting free capital without... Having to pay for 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 uh, without having to pay interest during the meantime. So um, this MCB, they have a redemption date all the way till two thousand thirty. Okay. If I'm not mis- um, if I'm not mistaken, two thousand thirty or two thousand thirty nine. And if if they don't pay it um, right now, they, they can choose all the way to push it to the end to to redeem. And if they do not redeem it, they can convert it into shares. Okay. Yeah. And what's What's interesting here is that um, my take is the yield, if let's say if they do redeem the bonds back, the average yield you, which you'll get or the average annualized coupon is roughly about 6 to 7%. Um, and that's actually much higher than many of the corporate bonds in Singapore. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So... Can can we go in on this? Do you think this is a good like is this is this a Tamasic thing that they did with with SQ or is it for for the retail investors as well? Mm. So um, this is a retail bond, and I think that this is one angle where Singapore where investors can actually play um, SIA. So rather than looking at the mm. the SIA stock, they can actually look at the MCBs. Um, and the reason why is because um, if you see now SIA is recovering. Yeah. Right, um, which means that this amount of cash flow over time 
they are going to use this cash flow to pay down the debt which they have. And that also includes the MCB. The reason why I think that they would do this is because, number one, as they pay down the debt over time, they are able to improve their credit profile. means that in the future, if they want to borrow more money, mm. they can tell the bankers, hey, I don't have much debt on my balance sheet. It's cheaper this way in the future. So mm. what I think they're probably going to do is they are probably going to use the profits which they are getting to pay down as much debt as possible. Okay. So they might not be paying... I. I don't think they, they will resume their dividend policy. I think what they'll do is they are going to conserve the cash um, from their profits to pay down this debt. And that also includes um, paying down the mandatory convertible bonds. Mm, okay. So this could be another angle that you want to play to because you mentioned 2030 something. Yeah. Um, they, would have to, they would have to convert that regardless. Correct. So it's either they convert um, these bonds to shares or they will have to buy back these bonds. Got you. Okay, that's a that could be a good that could be a good way because now you're just playing with that with that line. I think I want to talk a little bit about you know the scalability of where you think SQ could go, um, and and you mentioned right business business travel is really where where SQ makes its money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, at least at least I, I feel that I, it looks like you feel that as well. What about business travel? I want to talk about that right because that has significantly died down after COVID. I feel. Maybe it's going to pick back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think air cargo, you know, because I know they also transport uh, for cargo. Do you think that's a big, big factor in, in SQ's top line as well? Mm. So I don't think air cargo is a huge part of the business. Mm. What I think is that um, corporate travelers, leisure travelers will still be the main driver of this business. Okay. Um, of course, like, like what I've mentioned earlier is that um, this these are really competitive. The airline industry is highly competitive, which means is that all these ticket prices are what are subjected to what I call um, an inelastic demand. Which means that for a small change in this ticket price, it's going to change um, huge demand from um, air travelers. So, say for example, right, if you want to travel today, there's a really good chance where if you see a ticket which is much cheaper. You will probably choose the cheaper, cheaper yeah, alternative than just buying SQ tickets. Mm-hmm. I think that's how the nature of consumers, um, consumers who would travel, think. Good, and these these are leisure travels, right? These are these are you, me, every every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there who would who would do that, right? Yeah. So the elastic demand is, is the one that you were talking about. But in terms of business travel, right? They need to portray some sort of they can't be flying budget. Like, right, let's be honest, right? At least I don't know any companies that would put their their, their employees on, on budget. So, however, I feel that most companies are dying down in terms of traveling now. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Firstly, do you do you believe that? Number two, if so, how will that affect SQ? Yeah, of course. I think um, right now, given this environment where businesses might be cutting back because number one, inflation. Mm. Um, you also have high interest rates. Mm. That is going to cause a lot of businesses to cut their expenses, cut their budgets, say for example, travel. So like what you mentioned, corporate travelers, they typically prefer to travel at least economy class or non-budget airlines, right? Okay. Or at least the full premium airlines. But of course, with cost cutting, we are also seeing, uh, at least for me, I'm what I've observed is companies could also choose to go into the cheaper alternative. I mean, why not? Because 
at the end of the day, you just need to get from one point to another. And okay. probably gone are the days where, you know, you are allocating a huge amount of money to send, to, to bring people from one country to the next, when you can just, you know, allocate a smaller budget and be more efficient with your spending, especially, you know, with things getting more expensive. Um, if you're going to hire people, it's going to be more expensive. For example, interest rates are going higher, which means that your cost of capital to do business is going to increase. So cutting down on some of these um, leisure, leisure expenses um, mm. for companies, staff, could really affect um, Singapore Airlines. Got it. So what we're trying to say, I guess, what you're trying to say is Singapore Airlines are good to have. It's not a need to have, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need to travel, yeah. right? But you can travel. You, you don't need to be Singapore Airlines. You could travel, uh, Scoot, maybe. You could travel Air Asia. You could travel a ton of regional airlines out there. Exactly. Mm, exactly. Gotcha. So then how, you know, in terms of, of all of this, how would, you, how would Singapore Airlines be looking over the next six in order to get, that, get their revenue back up? Right? Mm. I think there's a few things which um, Singapore Airlines have to do. Mm. Um, this is, in my opinion, is there are really three things which they they I feel that they have to do over the next twelve months if they really want to set off yeah. smoothly. Okay. So first, they are actually seeing some profits coming in. So if I were SI, what I would do is really cut all dividends. So stop all dividends. Um, there's no need to actually pay dividends to shareholders right now. Because the profits which they are going to collect, it's good to reinvest into the business. But at the same time, like what I've mentioned, is to start paying down their debt because they have been borrowing a lot of um, debt over the last two years, you know, at least $15 billion. So wow. that's a huge amount. And if their profits are going to improve, um, they should be paying first paying down, their, paying down their debt. Because in the long term, by paying down their debt, they are able to tell lenders, so the bankers and the investors that, hey, I'm re- reducing my risk. I'm re- re- reducing my credit risk mm. um, of the company, right? By paying down my debt, I don't look as risky um, in, in, in the eyes of the lenders, in the eyes of the investors. And with these, I'm able in the future, as the economy improves, as the, the whole industry improves, they could actually borrow again. And they could be borrowing at a much cheaper cost. So that's what I would do. And of course, um, this is the the the, the key thing uh, which I feel SIA should be doing. Got it. Okay. And so they say they do. They they try and do that. So then they will reduce their 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 debt and and all this, right? But is there anything else they can do to to try and improve their margins? Because I understand excuse margins or in the industry itself, its margins are very very small. Mm-hmm. The actual profitability of it all, right? Um, I was we were covering Ryanair a couple of weeks ago in in our market updates, and they mentioned they had you know a fuel hedge. Uh, S, does SQ have that fuel hedge? Uh, how how do they manage that? Because mm-hmm. right now, cost of fuel is skyrocketing. <laughs> so there's actually not many levers which Singapore Airlines can pull because, after all, um, this is a competitive industry. Mm. Um, before COVID. Singapore Airlines average roughly about 5 to 6% in net profit margin. So their okay. bottom line is roughly about 5 to 6%. And this is, going forward, this is the kind of profit margins you'll probably get. Mm. And that also includes like your fuel hedges. So they, previously they have hedged or uh, protected the downside of their fuel cost 
roughly about 50%. Mm. So that, but that is still a huge part of the cost. What it can do rather than saving cost is, of course, trying to improve the, the cost per passenger carried over time. So that's the individual um, aircraft which they have. They can actually improve on that instead. On top of that, they can also improve on the branding of the business. Okay. So continue to work on their full service, uh, 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 um, full service business, meaning to focus on the routes which makes them uh, the highest profits. Okay. This is this is this is what I would think that they can they can do. Mm, okay, kind of makes sense because, I mean, the, the question I have here is it, it's very price sensitive, right? So. How good does your customer service have to be for someone to say, I'm going to pay $1,000 more for that? You know, that's, that's yeah. a big question I have. Correct. Um, I think it's really tough. Um, at the end of the day, you know, like what, like what I've mentioned, it is really tough for, for a company, uh, for an airline company, to mm. really price um, things too high. Because when I look at as a private investor, as an investor, as an analyst, I basically look for for three things mm. in a great business. Number one, it must be habit-forming. The products and the service must be habit-forming, meaning that people will always come back to it over and over again. Singapore Airlines have that in them, right? Yeah. Because people see Singapore Airlines, they look at safety, they look at comfort, you know. And um, they got the miles credit card and stuff like this as well. Exactly. Yeah. The second thing is capital efficiency. Um, Singapore Airlines doesn't really have that, meaning that Capital efficiency, meaning that for every $1 of capital which I put in, I must be yielding or I must get back a very high return on my investment. Mm. Then that makes my capital um, profitable, efficient enough. So I don't have to pour in a lot of money, but I can still get a lot of returns back. So Singapore Airlines doesn't, doesn't really have that because if you see, their profit margins are usually really thin. Now third, and the more critical point is... Pricing, like what you said. When I look at companies, I I generally generally like companies where they're able to raise prices without betting an eyelid. Mm. Meaning that if I raise prices, customers might get angry, but they have no choice but to still continue to meet the increased Easy. prices. Yeah, exactly. In this case, Singapore Airlines doesn't really have that. Right. So right. if if you're telling me that if I want to try to raise prices, you know, by a thousand dollars, or if I have a thousand dollars air tickets, and if I try to raise that price, customers might actually move to a cheaper alternative, mm. and that could affect Singapore Airlines. So, like what you said, I think they are really working on thin ice, mm. um, especially where you have this industry where it, it keeps changing because you have um, low cost carriers coming in. You know, low cost carriers have increased their market share from 15% to about 35% over the last 10 years. Mm, and, wow. you, and you can see these numbers which really show where how the state of the industry is like. Got it. Wow. Um, so when you're talking about increased prices, nobody will bat an eyelid. You're talking about Grab, right? Like, <laughs> now the taxis are <laughs> insane prices. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about transport um, mm. for for transport companies, the typical consumer behavior or the typical customer behavior is that I wouldn't pay extra for transport. Like, why would I want to pay more to, mm. to, to, to get from one point to another? So this is very different. Um, say, for example, uh, if you go to Starbucks, right? This is, this is a really common example yeah. where 
even though it's a commodity, a company which sells a commodity, which is coffee beans, but Starbucks is able to continually, continuously increase their price and people still buy it. You still, you still see long queues on Starbucks, Starbucks outlets, not just in Singapore, but in US, in Europe, in China. Mm. So for transport companies, it's a bit different where the consumer behavior is such that, hey, if taxi prices go up, I might be looking for, if let's say grab prices go up or private car hires go up, I might be looking for a cheaper alternative, which is taxi. So, you know, this is, this, is where, this is where the behavior comes in. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So then begs the question, right? In, 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 for the coconuts listening and all of this, would you be investing in SIE right now? I think as a long-term investor, I will probably stay away, at least for now. But mm. if you're looking at a short-term play, um, I think this is one way to play SIE stock. So it's more of a short-term trade where you are really betting on the opening up of air travel over the next 12, 12 to 18 months. Okay. Because what we are seeing is a huge rebound in their revenues and their profits. Over the last two years, revenues and profits have really came down. Or I would say revenues have came down and they're making losses. But you can see for the last two quarters, revenues have suddenly picked up. Mm. You see profits jumped up again. Um, and there could be this nice momentum um, carrying SIA over the next 12 to 18 months. And that could could have a positive impact on SIA stock Got it. in the short term. Okay. The other one you were saying was the MCB, right? Mm-hmm. So that could be a long longer term play? Mm-hmm. So how I see MCB is more of a safer, safer way to play SIA. Okay. Number one, you can see for the last two years that SIA uh, did not default, unlike the other airline companies across the world. And you can see that um, it's it that Tomasek has has the ability and the willingness to support SIE like mm. they're going all out. So the chance of SIE defaulting to me is really really low. Uh, that means that I see MCB as more of a safe instrument um, when I want to buy or at least to invest in 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 SIE because number one I don't think SQ or SIE will default. Number two. Um, the MCB right now, I think they are yielding about six to seven percent, okay. annualized, which means that you might not be getting the coupons or the interest payment this year or the next. But when SIA redeems the bonds, um, if they choose to redeem the bond, your annualized yield will be about six to seven percent from now till two thousand thirty. Okay. The chances of them um, converting into shares, there could be a chance for SIA to convert the bonds into shares, but I don't think they would really do it. Uh, number one, I think that SIE still wants to to attract stock investors. And by doing that, that could actually push away um, many stock stock investors, which includes the institutions. Okay. Awesome. So you're saying the, the, the play that you could make if, if you were wanting to go into SQ would be this short-term, almost speculative play that Nothing is, we're not going to get another COVID variant that shuts everybody down, right? You invest now over the next six to nine months, getting, get up quick and then leave. Because mm-hmm. right now it's at what, $5? I think at its height it was at eight. Yeah. Eight something. So you could get a good 20, 30% there. Yep. Is that, that's your, that's you think the best angle if you want to go into SQ? No, I mean, um, right now it's about five plus dollar per share. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that the, the exact gains you'll get, but I do know that the share price would, would actually go up considering that there's some momentum building okay. in their profits. Got it. 
Okay, cool. I'm going to, you know, as a last note, I guess, right? I'm going to put something maybe a bit, a bit different or something that I see as QS. And, and, and love, love your thoughts on this. And I don't know if, if Coconuts, if you're listening, whether you've thought about this before, right? The reason I feel Tamasic is going in all in is because Singapore Airlines is a marketing segment of Singapore. Mm. It's their awareness campaign, nothing else. So they see that inject that the money investment, money injection into SIA as other people will know about Singapore as long as that, as long as that airline runs. I don't need to make it a profit. If it's a loss, it's okay because it's running my marketing. Hmm. What, what, what's your thoughts? I absolutely agree with you on okay. this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is true because um, what, what I also think, right, that SIE should be doing, would, like the best cause they should be doing is to actually privatize the company to, mm. to, to actually delete themselves because the key focus of... Um, Singapore Airlines is really an icon for Singapore itself. And mm. Singapore Airlines, you know, travel all over the world. When people see SI, they think about Singapore yeah. more so than a profit engine or a profit machine. So like what you said, it's it's more of a of a way to market um, our little island city. Mm. But at the same time, it also tells the world that, hey, you know, we still have this very strong brand, this icon, um, which is in Singapore. And this is something I think, um, as a Singaporean, I think I feel very proud of, you know, as that brand. The unfortunate truth is that um, being a listed company, you are subjected to all the scrutiny and the 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 the, the scrutiny of investors um, and the lenders. And it's a shame where if SQ or sorry Singapore Airlines would have to actually meet um, this investors' um, short-term demand. So you know. Every quarter, they are being pressured to actually build profits. But if they can actually take a step back and actually look at it more from a longer-term outlook, I think um, Singapore Airlines have actually way more potential, not just in the business itself, but of course in promoting Singapore as a destination for you know the businesses for travel. Got it. So in other words, don't invest in Singapore Airlines. <laughs> SDB should take it under its arm <laughs> and then start investing. Well, I think it depends. You know, if... if if you like the short-term trade of um, SIA, mm. I think that's one one way to look at it. Okay. But you know, if you're a longer-term investor, then you know you might you might want to consider the alternative of SIA stock, which is the MCB. Mm. Okay, awesome. Um, you know, again, coconuts. Again, this is not financial advice. Please go do your research. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully, you learned a thing or two and, and got a deep dive into into SQ today. Thank you so much, Willie, for for coming on and and, and doing all of this research. Thank me. you. Thank you, Rakesh. I enjoy myself. Thank you for inviting me. All good. All right. Coconuts, we'll see you next time. Bye. See you.